bootload, actually. <laughs> and um, uh, one that I'm looking forward to reading is um, from the book fair is Les Parisiennes, which is the story of some of the women of Paris um, during World War II. And um, I did just have a flick through yesterday afternoon when I got home. And it tells the stories of some of the different people who were there in Paris um, during the war. And some of them, for example, were members of the resistance. And then on the other hand, there were those who were collaborators um, with, the, with the Germans who'd occupied Paris. There were those who fled overseas to get away from it completely. There were those who were sent off on trains to concentration camps. There were those who entertained the German troops and the officers. And there were those who did whatever it was they needed to do to survive and to protect their families. And uh, one of the chapters I was just interested to have a look at is what happened and how the people of Paris got on with each other in the years after the war had ended and what it was like for people whose lives had actually followed very different trajectories and sometimes exactly opposite uh, trajectories during the war and how, for example, those in the resistance saw those who'd been collaborators with the Germans and vice versa and how did they learn to live alongside each other again and whether choices that were made in wartime in that sort of crisis time would divide people for good or whether people would actually choose to make some different choices and deliberately reach out to one another across those divides. And um, I think it's going to be an interesting story. Well, our gospel reading also is exploring some of those um, divisions in the society of Jesus' time and how his actions offered healing, but at a number of levels, and the choices that different people made in response. And we're, as we work our way through Luke's gospel, we're now Luke 17, so we're getting through uh, about three quarters or two thirds of the way through Luke's gospel. And Jesus is still on that long journey down from Galilee uh, to Jerusalem. But at this stage, he's in the border country between Samaria and Galilee. Galilee's right up in the north of Israel, and then Samaria was the area in the middle, if you wanted to head south uh, to Jerusalem. And now it's the area of the West Bank. And still today, uh, many uh, folk in Israel, if they want to go from Jerusalem, certainly Israelis who want to go up to Galilee, would probably get on the motorway and go up there uh, and avoid going through the West Bank, uh, where Bethlehem and other places are on the way. But Jesus, it's interesting, in his time made a deliberate decision not to cross over the Jordan and cut down the east side, as many um, of his uh, fellow Jews would have, to avoid going through Samaritan country. Rather, he went right through it and walked right through the middle of an area which was um, pretty much desert and pretty much associated with the despised Samaritans. So Jesus didn't avoid the difficult territory, if you like. Um, he was one for going into the borderlands and crossing boundaries, uh, just as he frequented the margins of his society. And this time, of course, he was met by some people who were not just on the margins, they were actually over the edge, if you like. Uh, those with leprosy who were pushed to live on the edge or right on the edge of towns, literally, uh, in those days because of their understanding that there was a risk of infection. And so those with leprosy were literally the untouchables of Jesus' day. 
And so we have these 10 who are bound together uh, by their common disease and their isolation from society, if you like. And they knew what was required of them. They'd worked out the sort of way that they, they lived. The social and religious conventions of the day required them to keep their distance and so to call out that they were unclean. And of course, this carried on right through to uh, medieval times and um, uh, even though we have now found out a lot more, of course, about the actual uh, disease of leprosy. So they kept away, but yet they still uh, had obviously heard about Jesus. The, the stories had gone round, and so they called out to Jesus from a distance and pled to him for mercy. And maybe Jesus' response surprises us a little. We might have thought perhaps that Jesus would have gone over and touched them, uh, because, as we know, so often uh, Jesus did touch those he healed, but not always, not always. Jesus had many different ways uh, to respond and to bring his healing touch to people, uh, whether through his voice or his hands. Or And this time he actually decides to follow the prescribed formula according to the Jewish law for those who wanted to be declared clean from lep leprosy. This was actually considered a, a, a ritual uncleanness and they had to go to the priests uh, for inspection. And so Jesus actually decides to follow that route because he knows that it was the job of the priests at the time to declare them clean and so then they'd be able to be reintegrated back into society. He knew that that was the route that they had to do if they were ever going to be accepted back into their communities and society and to return to all that would make them fully human, to be able to now return to their homes and their families and their relationships and work and community life. And so Jesus gives this instruction to the ten, says go off to the priests and uh, do the check. And as they were went, went off, we read, as they went, they were made clean. And there you are, you can see them there, fully focused on going off to get the required clearance and pretty happy about it. We hear no more of those nine along the back there. But then we hear the tenth one, realising he was healed, turned back, praising God, fell at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Well, we could say, is this just good manners? Is he the one well taught by his mother? Always don't forget to say thank you. <laughs> Remember that birthday party mantra? Yeah. Have you got a hanky? Don't forget to say thank you. Yeah. But Luke implies there is more going on here with five words. And he was a Samaritan. And he was a Samaritan. So that shock value to Luke's readers of hearing of a grateful Samaritan would have been just as strong as the idea of a good Samaritan. Um, in Jesus' time, those were things that weren't put, didn't go together. And you can even hear it a bit in Jesus' voice. Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So let's recall what is going on here for that Samaritan. He'd actually been suffering from a double marginalisation, first by his leprosy and then by being a Samaritan. Of course, as we know, the Jews and Samaritans had a long history of antipathy and border clashes. And yet, as one with leprosy, he'd found a strange solidarity and suffering with his fellow Jewish lepers, 
Now they were hurrying off to be received, to go to the priest and to be received back into their Jewish community. But he, the Samaritan, though healed, would not find acceptance there. He would have to go back to his own people. So he was still not acceptable in the borderlands, if you like. He was still a foreigner and an outsider. Yet, and it's a big yet, he had been healed by Jesus, who was a Jew. He'd been healed by his traditional enemy, if you like. And so this Samaritan comes to Jesus. He's been given a wider vision of God's love and a larger freedom. His eyes have been opened to a God seen in Jesus Christ who breaks down those barriers and those walls that divide and who wants to bring healing and freedom to everyone, regardless of their background or race or creed. You can actually see it in the way Luke expresses it in his words, uh, talking about this healing and in the words used through the story. First of all, those with leprosy plead for mercy. They start with mercy. That's all they're asking for. And then we hear all ten of them are made clean in the ritual understanding of the day. Then that tenth leper saw that he was healed. The word for healing is used. And Jesus finally declares to him, your faith has made you well. Or literally, actually, your faith has saved you. It's that same word that Luke, the doctor, uses for healing, for wholeness and salvation. So it's like a sort of a progression opening up into a bigger and bigger picture of God's healing, a real expansiveness of language. And then perhaps the most lovely part I think of this story is that that tenth leper sees beyond the healing that he's received, wonderful as that is, life-changing as it is, to actually to the healer. And he comes back and thanks personally the healer, the one who's brought healing to him. So he sees beyond just the gift of healing to the giver of the healing the giver of a new life now blossoming out before him. And perhaps there'd been a deeper healing on the inside as well. So as we look out today on the fragility of our world with so many and increasing, it seems, often divisions between nations and races and religions, I'm thinking today of those Kurdish people up in Kurdistan are right on the border there between Turkey and Syria. So just up further, it's not that far from, um, I remember when I was in Galilee, Le Lebanon was only sort of 40 minutes up the road and then um, going into Syria and Turkey beyond there. The distances are not great at all. And of course, uh, the Kurds have been um, at the mercy of big powers making divisions and putting, um, just putting their own borders in over, over decades. It's over centuries. And so we remember people like that who are caught in the borderlands, and we remember people like Jesus who were willing to walk in those borderlands. Um, I was talking to someone just last week who'd actually spent some time in Erbil in, in Kurdistan uh, in teaching in a school there, and just hearing what it was like to live there in the borderlands and um, to be able to work and live among people who were very used to being in quite vulnerable places and listen to us. So today we think of the giver of healing, 
Jesus, the healer and the reconciler, who didn't just bring personal individual healing, but also was interested in that communal healing, the healing of relationships, the healing across borders, the healing across the divisions that we humans uh, so often create. And we pray that we, as members of Christ Church, will be part of those who are agents of healing and reconciliation in God's world. As we go into another term, uh, as we go into a place of um, often uh, pressure and stress in workplaces and schools and uh, university, we pray too very much for our university at this time and for our students uh, and for those who are among us and pray that we will not just be um, those who think about um, uh, individual, but those corporate and communal relationships as well. Another little book that I um, picked up yesterday is actually one, just a tiny little book, um, about the Eucharist and uh, reflecting on the Eucharist. And it just reminded me a little bit um, about the, the words we use, the blessed, broken, uh, given, and then shared out. And I remembered the banner that I think it was made a while ago, certainly, Women at the Well, I think, and playgroup. I think there are some playgroup hands on there. Uh, but I, I love those images that speak of the way that as we um, come to Eucharist, there's some important words that we listen to and that we take on board. And there's a little quote from, the, from that book that I just wonder, that I found helpful. Symbols play an important role in our Eucharistic celebration. Bread and wine, of course, are the most obvious. But there are others, including when we put our hands out to receive communion. This is a special symbol in that our hands represent us. So we express our gratitude for all that God has given us and our willingness to be used by God in turn in making real God's reign on earth. We become part of the Eucharist. So when the bread and wine are blessed, so too are we. When the bread is broken, so too are those less attractive aspects of ourselves as we come for healing, so that we might become more of the person God wants us to be. And when the bread and wine are given out, then we too, blessed and broken, are given and sent. Sent out into God's world to be used as God's people to do God's work in the world of healing and reconciliation. So let's uh, focus on those words today as we travel on through our service. We come and we bring our thanks. And of course, that's what Eucharist means, simply thanksgiving, Christo in the Greek. So we come and we say thank you both for the gift and, of course, for the giver. Amen. <coughs> <coughs> 